What up, AOTA family, and welcome to Passing Period and All the Above Podcast Extra. My name is Manuel Rustin, your favorite teacher's favorite teacher. We like to drop these in between our full episodes, and I know, I know some folks are are a little tired of hearing the explanation every time we have a passing period because they're like, we get it. It's a video format, and it takes time to edit those videos, <laughs> and the videos come out super dope, I would say. But Jeff, I, I am pretty confident that we have quite a few new listeners this week who are tuning in for the very first time because we had an opportunity to meet some super dope folks this past Tuesday in Minnesota. And Jeff, why don't we go ahead and tell our our longtime AOTA fam and our new members of the AOTA fam what we were up to this most recent Tuesday. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, let me just echo you and say welcome to uh, any new listeners, first-time listeners to all the above. Uh, shout out to you for joining us here uh, on a Saturday. Well, we record this on Saturday, but joining us whenever uh, it's convenient to you uh, to join us here on All the Above. Uh, we appreciate you. This is a, a small operation and, uh, you know, we do it for the love, man. We do it for the listeners. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, over this past week, uh, we had a, just a fantastic opportunity to, for the very first time, Manuel, do a live edition of All the Above. Now, now, you know, it was a little bit of a modified edition because, um, you know, we didn't have a full hour, of course, but um, we had a chance to keynote the uh, Education Evolving, shout out to Education Evolving, um, their annual uh, conference, the Student-Centered Learning for Equity Conference, um, which... Uh, for those who um, maybe don't know, Education Evolving is a nonprofit that works with uh, schools and education organizations, nonprofits, districts, etc., um, in the kind of upper Midwest region. So they work with uh, schools in Minnesota and the Dakotas and I think Iowa, if I'm remembering that correctly. And um, they uh, they also work with the indigenous nations um, in those areas as well. Um, and so uh, really exciting conference, really great theme for a conference that very much, of course, fits with who we are and uh, what we're about as a show. And uh, it was uh, the conference was held at the Science Museum of Minnesota, which is a kind of an iconic institute uh, institution in my home state, in my home city of St. Paul. And uh, I have to say, folks, I am uh, broadcasting live uh, for you right now from St. Paul. Manuel has uh, temporarily gone back to California uh, to, <laughs> to inform his wife that uh, it's time to move to Minnesota. The, the plot and plan to bring all the yeah. above to the Midwest is now complete. Manuel, please tell us how excited you are about your impending move to, uh, to the great state of Minnesota. Well... I, I will say that I really did thoroughly enjoy my time there. Had some good uh, Midwest pizza and met a lot of great folks. I really did enjoy uh, my time there for sure. But I'm a California boy. I'm, I'm, I'm staying in California until until I leave altogether <laughs> um, to wherever beyond this um, current current hellscape. But yes, California boy for now. But yes, I do uh, very much appreciate the uh, just love and, and warmth that I received from from all the good folks out there in Minnesota, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say shout out to Checkerboard Pizza uh, and all my people in uh, the Midway. If you know, you know. And um, yeah, man, well, I will say it was it was great to uh, to have 
<clears throat> excuse me, wow. Frog in the throat, my bad folks. This, uh, <laughs> uh, this is how you know we're not bots. Um, so it was great uh, to do the conference with you. Uh, it was great to be able to um, have you in town, even though it's just a, a short trip. It was nice to uh, kind of show you around a little bit, um, you know, in, in the, the small ways I could. So, uh, so yeah. that, that, was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Appreciate the hospitality. And I believe, folks, I believe that there will be some videos uh from the conference I think are publicly available. So if so, we'll obviously share them with the AOTA family because it, it really was a, a, a really dope convening of really dope educators. So uh, we want to share that with y'all to the, uh, as much as we can. And, you know, one, one thing that we realize is that there were one thing that I realize is that there's so many folks, so many wonderful folks in different aspects and different elements of education who are working towards building spaces that are student-centered. And in that endeavor, I think a lot of folks at that conference are interested to to listen to our show and to, to learn from our super dope guests that we have here on our full episodes. So with that in mind, folks, this episode this week is a passing period where it's just Jeff and myself and it's just audio because the super dope guests that we have on the show, we, we edit those and cut those up and that takes some time and those come out usually every other week, every two weeks. And we drop those on the YouTube and of course on these podcast platforms as well. And our most recent full episode, if you if you missed it, that was the one with Makisha Nation and James Barnett, two Minnesota folks. Uh, again, the, the Minnesota uh, bias here is getting a little out of hand. However, <laughs> our two super dope guests, we're both from Minnesota or both work in Minnesota. And that episode was about uh, recruiting and retaining educators of color. So you definitely want to go back and peep that episode, which released uh, about a week ago. And with that in mind, we're wrapping up the school year. We are full-time educators here. And I know my my school, we have about eight school days left, I think, and it's a whole lot of activities and graduation, all that kind of stuff. So it might be a minute before we have another full video episode with some super dope guests on. But um, in any case, we'll keep the keep the conversations rolling and keep the content coming. With that in mind, Jeff, we are going to spend today's passing period focusing on one of the stories that we didn't get to on Tuesday when we we're at the conference. And of course, at the conference, we gave the audience a choice on what do now stories they wanted to learn more about. And this story, I think, was a close tie for uh, second place, and we ended up going with another story. So let's let's talk about this one. It does have connections to Minnesota, but it also has broader connections, of course, nationally to what we're seeing across uh, just across the nation when it comes to uh, the so-called quote-unquote culture wars and what have you. So, Jeff, what's the story for today? Well, Manuel, uh, it's it's a fascinating story, and one that I think. Um it's probably one of those types of stories that like everybody's heard about and very few people have probably gotten like really into the weeds on to, to actually think about what it means in the context of, of education, right? Um, and so, and also before we start with the story, man, well, I have to say the, uh, the, the great irony also maybe of this story is that before the conference this week, we had been talking to Lars Esdahl, who's the executive director of Education Evolving, and we were asking him about compelling stories coming out of the states that they, that they work with. Um, and so he hipped us to this story, which is written by Beth Hawkins in uh, The 74 Million. And uh, we were like, great, fascinating, you know, like so many interesting angles here. I bet people are going to be interested in it, which they were, but like it lost out narrowly. So um so we decided let's do a passing period on it, and uh, and shout out to 
to Lars for uh, the recommendation on this story. Um, so let's get into it here. So everybody out there, man, well, I think has heard of, seen stories about the insanity happening at school board meetings across the country, right? In particular, there's been a lot of highlights of this in rural areas or, you know, uh, deep red states or more um, sort of wacky conservative parts of white America, let's just say. And, uh, you know, that's because people have been doing wild, crazy stuff like sticking phones, spoons to their forehead and, you know, talk, talking about vaccine mandates or putting microchips from Bill Gates into kids and CRT is the devil's work and, you know, whatever, whatever. Right. Like truly crazy stuff. OK. Um, but this story is deeper than just the shock value of the insanity that, that's being spewed. Um, and so the story really uh, surfaces that an unprecedented number of Minnesota school board members, um, now many of whom are living in rural areas, but also some in more uh, suburban or, you know, closer proximity to urban areas, um, but a huge number have resigned prematurely since the start of 2021 in the face of some of the harassment and threats that they've been receiving from uh, their constituents. Right now, constituents they've been elected to serve, right? Um, according to the Minnesota School Boards Association, during uh, the 2020-21, so last school year, um, and in the first two months of the current school year, more than 86 of the state's 2,000 elected district board members left their posts, okay? Um, now, districts uh, have seen multiple resignations in some cases, sometimes on the same day, um, and some of those who quit say they were doing so under public pressure uh, that they were receiving to actually disobey state or federal policies, um, some also left because their positions, uh, they said, just became untenable when other allies on the board uh, resigned because of the, those types of causes. And now here they are, the lone sort of equity champion or person who's just not trying to do crazy stuff um, on the school board. Um, so some of these folks have been citing, Manuel, um, that the tension that we have seen captured on camera in school board meetings has started to spill over into their private lives, right? So uh, a couple of examples that were cited in the article is one uh, school board member was forced to sell her home and move when her eight-year-old was outed as transgender. Um, uh, in uh, Robbinsdale, which is a suburb of Minneapolis, um, a board member uh, broke down as she told colleagues she was resigning and said the hate is too much um, and said continued permission. Uh, the community members give themselves to say whatever they want, however they want, is oppressive, it's demeaning, it's damaging. Um, and, you know, folks have, have been commenting on kind of the larger political ramifications here, right? Both in terms of what does it mean when we have an exodus of school board members in terms of the quality of leadership of school districts? That's a lot of institutional knowledge that's walking out the door. And also just the political climate and what kinds of policies, some of which could be policies that say violate the civil rights of all kinds of marginalized groups of students, might be now getting pushed down the, you know, the pipeline here because of um, these vacancies potentially being filled by 
the nuttiest right wing folks we you know we have in this country. So a um, lot lot going on there, Manuel. That is you know both about the spectacle of the crazy things that that folks will do and say, but also the very real consequences on these school board members in their their and their families' lives, and also you know what does this mean in terms of leadership and quality of leadership of school districts. So fascinating stuff there, Manuel. And, um, and, you know, we think that this is, you know, just over there. It's just, you know, Alabama. It's just wherever, right? But this stuff is happening in suburban areas right outside big cities. It's happening in, you know, California, in Minnesota, in blue states, right? Um, As well as red states. So uh, love to get your take on this, Manuel. What, what, um, what, say you on this issue yeah well you're right this is even though the story focuses on rural minnesota and oftentimes when we think about these board meetings with you know outraged parents who are you know stirred up in a, a fury a frenzy thinking that the school district is indoctrinating their kids this or whatever oftentimes we think of this as like a, a red state or a red district type area and um it's simply not just those areas, that's for sure. You know, I teach in uh, just outside of Los Angeles in our neighboring district or close to a district close to us. I don't know if it's, no, it's not direct neighbor, but really close to us is a Glendale uh, Unified School District. And for those who are not familiar with California or uh, Southern California, particularly uh, Glendale is just outside of Los Angeles. And it is the, within the district of Adam Schiff, Adam Schiff, uh, Congressman Adam Schiff, who is, so this is like really deep blue area. This is, you know, uh, Schiff was the, I think, house manager for one of the Trump impeachments or both of them. I don't know. But any case, big time, big time Democratic area, like big time. And a teacher there, a third grade teacher there, received uh, so many threats after parents, I guess, uh, found out that she was showing videos to her students, to her elementary age students um, about gay pride. We're talking videos that are uh, created for kids. So one was um, a video that featured a song called Love is Love, and another one was explaining what gay pride is and, you know, what Pride Month is and all that, especially, you know, with Pride Month coming up. And this teacher in this very blue area received so many threats that she was involuntarily transferred to a different school, which is one of the only times, at least on record, that a teacher in California, at least, has been transferred for reasons that had nothing to do with job performance or um, criminal accusations or anything like that. Like she was transferred for her own safety. And that's a really blue area of of California. So, uh, you know, so back to back to the story here about Minnesota. Yes, it's rural Minnesota, but um, let's not just like think that it's something that is really only a problem in more rural areas. So, yeah, it's um, it's it's really troubling when you think of the long like the the implications as you said you know you lose that institutional knowledge and and what is this what impact might this have on the overall functioning of school districts above and beyond um you know the actual discussion about curriculum itself i think one of the quotes that stood out to me in the story the uh, executive director of the minnesota school boards association uh kirk and i don't know how to pronounce kirk's last name uh s-c-h-n-e-i-d-a-w-i-n-d um, he said, I don't need to be the punching bag for everything going on in the world. And I think that is reflective of the mindset of so many, in this case, board members, but also teachers, curriculum writers, folks across the nation who really are just trying to do their job. They did not sign up to be 
the you know target of online hate groups and the target of Fox News and all this stuff. They didn't sign up for all this wildness. They didn't sign up to sit there and receive verbal threats during the board meetings. They didn't sign up for any of that. And all that is reflective of just the just the state of affairs across the nation, our nation specifically, but across the world generally. And they didn't sign up to be the focal point of these battles, these these uh, proxy battles between folks who are about inclusivity and love versus folks who are very much about uh, white supremacy and about retaining power. So yeah, those uh, those school board members to sit there and receive public comments. Uh, one comment that was mentioned in the story, uh, somebody warned, uh, some commenter said, I will be back. I am here to dump hot coals on all your heads. Like to receive that type of stuff, Week after week or month after month at your at your board meetings or receive uh, emails saying that and, and stuff being mailed to your house. A lot of folks just like you want to do what's right in your career and in your life and you want to fight the good fight. But at the same time, you have your own personal safety to think about. You have your own children to think about. One person in the story, um, their their trans daughter. Well, they were quote unquote outed as a parent of a trans daughter. And um, that, that person was like, yo, enough is enough. Like I can't, I can't put my own family out here um, in the face of these threats. Like our, my family safety obviously comes first over over the work I'm trying to do in education. So yeah, it's, it's really troubling to think about, okay, well, who are all these good folks gonna be replaced with in terms of like keeping the, keeping the, the system going or keeping the institution intact? Like what kind of folks are gonna replace these good folks who are, step, uh, who are stepping down out of fear for their own lives in many cases? And that's, that's a, whew, man, that's, yes, that's, that's a, a concern. That's a concern, I should say. And I do uh, want to say like some of the quotes in here, like they were calling board members demonic and other things. It kind of reminded me of one of the meetings where, um, you know, I was sitting on the Instructional Quality Commission for uh, our approval of the updated health sciences frameworks in California. And we had to sit there on, on the dais as a commenter after commenter stepped up and basically told us that like we are doomed because we are here approving a framework that is um, inclusive, that is uh, helps uh, young people learn and explore the uh, ideas behind gender identity and sexual orientation and learn to respect others and all this stuff. And folks were lined up like it was a line going out the door, speaker after speaker after speaker saying that us voting yes on this thing was going to doom us to hell. Uh, they were particularly quoting a passage from uh, from the Bible, from the book of Matthew, that had something to do with um, us approving that framework. It would be better for us to have a, a large millstone hung around our necks and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. So if you could imagine sitting here as like good educators trying to do what's right so that students could um, experience an affirming education and students could learn to love and uh, love each other and respect each other and this and that. And we had a line of folks out the door basically saying like, according to the Bible, um, it's better off for you to freaking drown to death because you're, you're basically steering our youth in the wrong way. Yeah, it was tough to sit there and receive that time and time again. And I could imagine being a school board member in a local area. And these are folks that you might've gone to school with yourself, folks you grew up with, and they're unleashing fury at you for simply doing the right thing and trying to make sure our curriculum is honest and our curriculum is inclusive of voices who have been historically marginalized. Just uh, has tough stuff, man. Tough stuff. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy. Okay, like I think sometimes we. It is that um, too. 
you know, it's and of course there's more eloquent ways to describe it <laughs> than that. But like also, I think sometimes we have to be able to just uh, step away from the gaslighting that is taking place and be like, yeah, no, this is crazy. And these people are actually dangerous. Like, th this isn't... Um, oh, yeah. This isn't the same thing as, like, kids from the Sunrise Movement who want to picket outside the board meeting and, like, petition the board to put solar panels on the school. Like, those kids are not saying, I'm coming back to dump hot coals on your head and you're going to burn in hell forever, right? Right. They're not... They're not toting guns and threatening people's families and stuff, right? Like like we see from the folks who are angry about what exactly, right? What is that? Like the vaccine mandates, which we've had forever, and, uh, you know, and, and CRT, which they don't even know what it is, and they really are just afraid of, of, of their racist white anxiety or whatever. So... Uh, you know, th there is a certain degree to which this is just like madness, and we can't we have to like accept that that is the the starting place for the conversation. These folks are bananas, okay, <laughs> and like do not have a valid point that they're bringing to the table, right? Even when they dress right. it up in uh, in language that sounds valid, like parental and you know parental involvement or school choice or you know whatever whatever other kinds of uh, you know religious liberty, uh, they're very good. Uh, at coming up with rhetoric that sounds nice, but then you scratch the surface and it's people at the school board threatening to dump hot coals on your head, right? Um, and yep. so, I, you know, I think we just have to name that for a moment, right? Um, and then also, you know, it's interesting, there was a, 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 a point in the article, and I think the guy whose name you were spelling earlier, um, who's the executive director of the Minnesota School Boards Association, I think his name is Kirk Schneiderwind, I think Boom, is how there we go. That. That's, yeah. I was going to say that. I was, yeah, I was, yep, yep, that's right. That would be my guess. It could be Schneiderwind, but I think it's Schneiderwind. That's my guess. Kirk, if you're a listener, uh, you know, feel free to let us know. Um, we're, uh, you know, the DMs are open on Twitter, Kirk. Um, so he was pointed out in the article also as saying that, uh, you know, these violent or chaotic school board meetings are still the exception, not the rule. Um, and so, you know, I think that is also a good point to make, right? That like sometimes because of our media environment, we, you know, that what, whatever's shiny and bright and chaotic and, you know, on the margins of everything gets the most attention in some ways. So there's yeah. plenty of school board meetings around the country that are the usual school board stuff happening or where some of these crazy right wing attacks have flared up and actually been, you know, extinguished to the extent that like people rallied in opposition to those things and cooler heads have prevailed, right? Um, and so I think we also do got to remember that, that as, as dystopian in some ways as our <laughs> current situation is, you know, there, there are still a lot of good people in the system trying to, you know, to do the right thing. Um, but as we have talked about uh, numerous times, Manuel, um, and probably most recently with uh, Professor Yvette Butler, who is the um, professor from the University of Mississippi uh, School of Law, who is the only person teaching criti actual critical race theory in the state of Mississippi, okay? Uh, or at least in a, in a law school in the state of Mississippi. Uh, you know, yet the state had, it passes a law, an anti-CRT law, as though it's like out of control, um, you know, what's happening, right? So 
you know, she was able to talk about uh, very compellingly. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I'd, I'd go back a few and uh, check that out. Because when are you going to get to hear from an actual law school professor who's like a badass black woman teaching critical race theory in Mississippi of all places? OK, yeah, <laughs> uh, nowhere else is the answer to that question. So check out that episode, folks. <laughs> um, but, you know, she spoke really compellingly about the chilling effect that we have seen. Um, and faculty and, you know, at the college level, teachers K-12, we know are experiencing some of that chilling effect. School boards, whether it's uh, the push to resign or the push to like back off of, um, as we're seeing now, a lot of, um, you know, equity driven agendas. I had a, a recent conversation, Manuel, with um, I don't know if this person would want me to use their name here. So I'm just going to say an extremely well-known national figure. Who, uh, who, does, who does a lot of work around social-emotional learning and anti-racist education. And uh, this person, you know, was like, I got to keep it real. What we're seeing now is even in, even in the quote-unquote blue states and progressive places, the chilling effect is hitting there. And so they're doing things, which is both good and bad, right? But they're doing things like, okay, we can't talk about SEL anymore, so we're going to talk about, you know student mental health, and we're going to keep doing the good work we were working on, but we have to call it something else, right? Something else, right? And there is a, there's a beautifully subversive uh, aspect to that, but there is also a, um, a capitulation aspect to that, right? That is like, oh, okay, right. we're going to, you know, we're not going to do ethnic studies. We're going to do multicultural education or whatever, right? But like on some level, even if we think we're doing the same thing, we're probably not doing the same thing, right? When we start yeah. making those kind of changes. And so I think that to me is maybe more the like battlefield that we're, you know, this, this, this fight uh, is, you know, needs to be waged upon is like, we can't see ground to these folks who are just crazy. Like they're, they don't have a good argument at all on any level. They have an oppressive argument. And I think we have to, spend our energy naming that right and really pushing back yeah. against that and it's, it's easy for me to say in my chair when i'm not a unpaid school board member in a rural district in northern minnesota or something right surrounded by potentially violent trump folks but um you know we we do need to have these folks back in some ways to like to not cede the ground to these folks i think yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And it's, it's especially when you consider that it seems to be escalating, you know, and getting worse. It's, we saw, uh, you, you and I were joking um, in just our text messages about uh, this video that was floating around of this mother who's suing her son's school district in Virginia. In I looked it up, it's uh, Charlottesville uh, or near a district near Charlottesville. Oh, wow, perfect. And, um, yeah, exactly, right? And she's suing yeah. the school district because her... Her 13-year-old biracial son, all right, so the mother is white, uh, presumably the father is black. I didn't see the father in any of the clips or anything that I saw, but her biracial son, 13 years old. I don't know, Jeff, if you've heard, but um, teenagers, um, they, could, they, they could be a little challenging, you know what I'm saying? They could be a little challenging. So this 13-year-old son um, <laughs> isn't doing his chores like he used to and is being a little more um, you know, combative than he used to be. And she is suing the school district because she's saying that her son 
uh, did not see himself as a black man, but now he does because her her son's school is doing the critical stuff. I, she couldn't even name what they're doing, but uh, teaching critical stuff. And now he sees himself as a black man. And now um, when she asks him to do anything as simple as like chores, uh, he alleges that uh, that's racist and everything's racist. This is racist and that's racist. And she, you know, we were joking about it because it's so like, you're really going to sue the school because your 13-year-old son doesn't want to do chores. And he's like, you know, telling you that it's because race or whatever. Um, but it's 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 hilarious, but it's also like a, a sign of just how extreme this whole uh, discussion has gotten around critical race theory and, and everything. And so there has to be, we have to hold the line at some point. When I say we, I mean those of us who believe in, in actual democracy, those who believe in humanity, those who believe in a humanizing view of everybody. We have to hold the line somewhere because this is a, a full, throttled attempt to really suppress any gain that has been made in the last however long towards having inclusive curriculum, towards uh, really seeing our students and accepting them for who they are and really helping them uh, grapple with America's past and present and future. And we have to hold the line somewhere. And the last passing period, I mentioned that the UC, the University of California uh, system was considering adding ethnic studies as a requirement for admission so that, you know, you can't, uh, enroll in a uh, University of California unless you've taken an ethnic studies course that they're considering that and they had their they assembled a uh, they appointed a writing team of practitioners of experts folks who've uh, taught and studied ethnic studies for their whole lives and a lot of this movement was uh, initiated by youth by young people and things hit the fan and folks cried out saying that the criteria that they came up with, uh, the criteria for ethnic studies courses that they want to see in the high school level or too, uh, too extreme, too divisive, uh, ideological, this and that, whatever. And we, when we last talked about it on this show, Jeff, I said, like, we got to watch out because it's looking like that criteria, which is in line with what the state came up with, was going to be um, either changed or watered down or taken uh, apart altogether. And come to find out, like about like four days after that episode, uh, yeah, the UC Dicks did signal that they're going to uh, change their approach towards towards this requirement. So uh, we'll link it under under this uh, this episode, the the press release released by the uh, ethnic studies writing team that that put together the original criteria. But in it, they say that the um, they just found out that the UC system will instead be taking a quote broader approach to include diversity, equity, inclusion, and social justice courses, which is that, you know, on, on the one hand, Jeff, you could say like, that's that sub maybe, you know, slightly subversive way of saying like, we're going to do it, but we're going to like, you know, not go by this name since this name is what's under attack so much, but actually it's, it's the watering down here. It's the, mm -hmm. okay, like we'll, we'll do some of the, you know, kumbaya stuff. So we'll do some of the like, oh, Martin Luther King, he, you know, he didn't, he didn't see race or he didn't want people to see race and yay. Yeah, and let's dream, move on. Man. Just yeah, a dream. He, yeah, that's all. That's just a that totally singular dream. That's the totality. Dream. <laughs> the totality of his of who he was. So, and that's that's dangerous, man. And this is California. And this is um just every every step that we take back, uh, you know, out of fear for the the backlash, out of fear for what uh, Tucker Carlson is going to say, out of fear for whatever. Every step that we take back is just um, more ground seated towards fascism, towards a status quo that just demands that nobody ever acknowledge what happened in the past. Nobody ever consider how the past perhaps influences our present. Like this is a, it's just dangerous stuff, man. And it's really sad because our students deserve better. Our families, our communities deserve way better. And there's perhaps no um, starker symbol of, of what could go wrong than the terrorist attack in Buffalo. 
and just like how misguided people can be on this whole idea of race and 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 replacement and all this stuff like it it destroys it destroys people it takes lives and instead of challenging it up front we're seeing district after district institution after institution back down water down their attempts to try to be uh anti-racist or uh, whatever they put in their resolutions during the summer of 2020 and it's dangerous stuff man this is this this will destroy folks if we don't stand up to it this this white supremacist fascism will continue to destroy folks we got to stand up to it yeah yeah i i fully agree with that manuel and um it is the uh i think as you as you had previously pointed out uh, using the the very eloquent words uh, of of Dr. Cornell West, the uh, the Santa Clausification of yeah. uh, of Martin Luther King, it, like there's a I don't know what the right metaphor is here, but there's a there's a like who's a very famous character that's like totally non threatening to everyone, right? <laughs> like the like the uh, the Pollyannification of of history or whatever right this yeah. just like oh you know all these things that like the whole point of having them as part of the curriculum is to intentionally engage in in discussions that are controversial right and that ask us to examine things critically um and but instead of doing that we're gonna we're gonna say we don't need to and we're just gonna be like everything's great everything's fine we don't need don't need to talk about that here right um and even if we can keep some of it the chilling effect is gonna is gonna erode the the value of it because it's gonna make the criticality uh to use goldie muhammad's language the critic cri uh, the criticality behind these talking about these issues evaporate right and then we're just reinforcing the status quo with you know with with different language right so I, you know, it is. Yeah. This is a, this is a fascinating one to me, man. I think that um, I I think this is a historical moment that is ripe for courage from white folks, from white allies and co-conspirators, um, and also, Manuel, on a certain level, when we look at 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 the cause, you know, movements for the cause of justice historically, uh, there is some sacrifice. That is involved, and I'm, I, I don't say that flippantly or say that without, you know, any sort of grappling with the, the seriousness of what I'm saying here. But like the the people who are rabble rousing and you know up in arms um, and inventing uh, you know boogie boogeymen of CRT and this kind of thing right now are are dangerous. They just are, and so. Yeah. You know, I think we we both have to like watch our backs with these folks, and also we have to uh, not allow them to to simply dominate because they're because we are afraid of them, right? And even when that fear is quite justified, I mean, these you know these these folks are dangerous. So I don't know. It's a it's a tough spot uh, for everybody to be in, Manuel. But this is one of those historical moments where like we need courageous allies, particularly among white folks to like stand their ground um in you know in these areas yeah. because uh if they don't we're in trouble you know like we we will be paying we meaning marginalized folks of all stripes you know your poor white trans kids in rural america your you know urban 
you know, migrant kids who walked over the border at the age of 15. You're, you know, African-American kids and, you know, uh, in this country, you're Muslim kids. You're like all the marginalized folks are, uh, they're coming for us now. And uh, maybe they've always been coming for us, but they're, they're coming with a little more vigor right now. Yeah, and, that's a good way to put it. Uh, Yeah, and so we need, some, we need some support, man. Yeah. Man, all we wanted to do this year was just to focus on reimagining and having a, a warm, welcoming transition back to in-person school amid a pandemic and can't even focus on that too much because all of this other stuff is happening. So everybody out there, educators, uh, folks who have kids in the school system, um, folks who just support our, our school system, folks in the classroom, teaching folks uh, who are serving as aides, like everybody out there, just like, what can I say? Keep, keep doing what you do. Keep being awesome. We will get through this. Like that's, that's I mean, we just have to. There is no other choice. There is no other choice uh, than to get through this in the name of of what's right for for all of our kids, all of our communities. And yeah, just hang in there. The school year is wrapping up in a lot of parts of the nation, and it's been a very incredibly difficult year. And the difficulty is not gonna not gonna evaporate over just over the summer. So uh, we're gonna hang in there and keep doing what we got to do. Uh, we will link under this episode. We will put the link to the ethnic studies thing that I was talking about. So because I wasn't, I'm not sure how clear I was in the explanation, but you can read the press release for itself, and um, it also has information about who to reach out to, who to send letters to, uh, in support of true ethnic studies across the state of California. And also we'll put a link to that um, story about the. The woman who's suing the school district because her biracial 13-year-old doesn't want to do his chores because of critical race theory. And uh, she mentions, Jeff, she mentions in the story that I found, which the only story I found was in in the New York Post, which, uh, you know, whatever. But uh, she says, he looks Hawaiian. He's beautiful. Like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah. But that, that school has him now thinking he's black and... I guess that's uh, less beautiful, I guess. So, yeah, we'll, we'll link that there. So, you, if y'all, if you want to rage can we read. Send, can we send some flowers out to the biracial children being raised by deeply problematic white folks man. right now? Like, man, seriously. I think we Ooh. need the federal government to uh, subsidize therapy for, <laughs> for, for all of man. this kid's life. <laughs> After this, are, are you mess. saying you want to bring uh, some SEL into it too, Jeff? The CRT I'm, plus SEL that equals cultural Marxism, this, anti-American something. <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly right. Yes, that, thank you for for breaking it down so eloquently. Smack. Uh, yeah, I just I'm I am as a biracial person myself. Uh, I'm just gonna say it is. It makes a world of difference to be raised by white folks with some consciousness and, and some like morals and principles, uh, you know, th- then to, you know, be raised. I just can't imagine being, you know, this kid's child, Man. or I mean, this woman's child. And, uh, you know, I don't know if this is the situation, but it is often the situation in these, you know, kind of cases where the kid spends more time with the mom than with the dad. And like, oh, God, what a toxic environment that must be. So, uh, you know, oof. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, it, it literally says nothing about his father. So, like, anywhere in the article, there's no mention. So I am curious about that. But in any case, 
whatever, man. It's all a clown show. This hellscape that we are living in currently is is quite difficult. So hug hug your loved ones and just remember we got we 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 got each other. At the end of the day, we got each other and we will get through this for sure. So links under this episode. And I also want to shout out uh Quatley. He was a student performer at the conference on Tuesday. Uh, he's a senior at I don't remember what high school he's he goes to. The uh, high school high school for recording arts uh, in St. Paul, Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. So he. He performed a song that both Jeff and I we were we heard the song like while during setup and we didn't realize it was his song. We thought they were just playing like I don't know some random song uh, on the loudspeakers. And yeah, I've been listening to his. I don't know if it's a mixtape or what. He's got uh, you know he's on Spotify and he's got a uh, I don't know album called Out of This World. Out of This World is what it's called. And um, I've been listening to it all week, Jeff. It's you know for anybody any hip hip hop heads out there who are listening who are uh, into. To really dope hip hop, I would definitely check him out. Uh, Quatli, that's C U A U H T L I, and it's not like you know, this is definitely explicit language in there, so it's not something that you know, I'm not saying play in your classrooms and this and that. It's not vulgar, but you know, it does have some curse words or whatever, but it's super dope. And uh, so, shout out to Quatli for excellent performance, and to the student MCs, to the young people, there's like a student panel, there was uh, young people going around interviewing educators about their commitments towards education. Uh, it's just really dope. So, just shout out to everybody involved in, in that. And when we have those links to any of that content, we will also share those as well with y'all, ALTA family. Jeff, anything else before we get out of here? I will just coastline on uh, the shout out to Quatley and uh, and his his music. I also was listening, and for anybody who knows anything about me, I hate modern hip hop. <laughs> like <laughs> generally do. speaking, I listen to hip hop from like two thousand one and before almost exclusively, and I actively dislike most modern hip hop. And I put his stuff on on my on my walk the other day, and I was like. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is nice, man. Like I, I could get down with this. I, it was like yeah. we heard him perform live, and I was like, that song is dope. So I went in with high expectations. It exceeded my expectations. Shout out to Quietly. It, it was real inspiring. I love when I hear young yeah. people making making great art. So um, yes, I just yeah. want to give some love there as well. And uh, that is it, man. That is it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know what? We could drop a link, I think, under this episode to uh, to Quatli, at least on Spotify. I don't know where else uh, his music might be at. But yeah, really, really uh, well-made stuff. So yeah, folks, we appreciate y'all hanging in, hanging in there all the way to the end of this passing period. And, um, you know, we love y'all. We hope the week ahead is a wonderful week for you. And we very much appreciate your, your support. And as always, all of our full episodes could be found at aotashow.com. We love y'all. And it's time for you to go ahead and get to class.